Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. That's in quotes, by the way. New normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workloads, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. VSBOT, some number with our coworker, Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You know what? I've been fucking better. You know what? And also <laughs> okay. to that person who said, maybe don't drop the F-bomb less, I'm just recovering from COVID, all right? Okay? Wait, someone told you to stop cursing, and then you guys had me on a, as a guest directly I, after? I, I know. Yeah. Shayna, the amount of times people have told me to stop cursing, clearly it's not going to happen. It doesn't work. A lot of the time, I, I'm not doing it for effect. Like, I'm not trying to make a point. It's just how I speak. And does that make me a lesser human? You already knew I was one. So what's the <laughs> fucking problem? Do you All go right. by the argument cursing, though, makes you a smarter or dumber person? Because some people, there have been some things that say, like, cursing more can show that you're a smart person. It's not that you have lesser of a vocabulary. You just happen to curse. But some people view it as you don't have a vocabulary and that you're an idiot. I tend to go on the, I just do it because I can. And it just flows naturally. But, you know. I'd say, I always say this, and I clench my hands together, my thumbs touch my middle finger and my ring finger, and I go, I'm a New Yorker, and that's all I say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've always, the people who aren't smart enough don't have the vocabulary to use curse words like I can, so that's how I view it. Yeah, I'm not smart. Period, it's short. I'm yawning. Good podcasting. Um, all right, we brought Shayna on today to talk about free agent centers in the off season, which who knows when that's coming or if it's coming ever. Who knows? Uh, we talked about this a little bit on Monday's podcast. Gregory m- mentioned some brief names. One name I brought up was Spezza. Spezza? I think, whatever. Um, and I'm assuming you guys have a list of uh, free agent centers you think might be uh, tasty, delightful choices for the New York Rangers who are most likely parting ways. Again, with no inside information with Ryan Strom. We're just making educated guesses because, well, money's a little tight. Things have changed, and we'll see what happens with Strom. But our guess is that he's gone. Therefore, we need a center. Uh, Shano, why don't you start? Okay. Well, the Strom thing is so, like, such a weird situation as is because, like, if there's a June draft and you can't have player movement happen, like, they're in a tighter situation to make that happen since he's a restricted free agent, like you would think. But now that other teams are going to be tied against the cap, it's kind of like everyone's kind of fucked. So it's like, can you really manage to move him? So that is like my one question, because I don't think they'll lose him for nothing. But having said that, if he is to go, um, mm-hmm. I do like Jason Spezza. I think that he is a good veteran center to have. And I think the the word veteran is so often used to talk about like a player's character. It'd be like, yes, he's a veteran center. We brought him in for what he does for the room. And that's all well and good but you also need some skill and he is very skilled. He's, he's a very good shot. And I think on a pass first team to have someone who can shoot the puck is very nice to have. And 
you know, it would probably elevate the second power play unit, which we know they need to do. And um, if they could have a more consistent attack between their units and also have depth down the lineup, that was the biggest, the biggest weakness I would say that they had offensively was just forward depth and they just didn't have the players that they needed to fill those holes. And a player like Spezza definitely could take that up a notch and be good with the kids. Yeah. So this, this conversation today was fueled because I, I reached a point at work where I needed a break. And in order to get that break, what I did, where my mind went was trying to figure out low cost free agent signings. The Rangers could make that would help the team, uh, especially down the center. And like you said, Ryan, the, the purpose of this is, this is basically saying Heedle's going to be the Rangers' second center. Ryan Strom will not be a New York Ranger, mostly because if Ryan Strom's still a New York Ranger, I think this conversation, for the most part, is moot. I don't think the Rangers will add any significant salary just to have someone play a fourth center role. We've seen it time and time again with this team in particular. They'll just play the Brett Howdens, the uh, Steve Fogarty's, our boy Greg McKegg, or even the, or the new kid Justin Richards. They'll just... They'll play them seven minutes a night. There's no reason the Rangers should spend any kind of money on anything that looks like a fourth line because David Quinn doesn't use a fourth line. So this is... Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. What if he had a fourth line, though? Can we just... Because he he hasn't had a fourth line ever. What if he did indeed have a fourth line? I I Hmm. think... I think the reason he doesn't have a fourth line is because he doesn't want to use a fourth line. I I don't think it's because Gorton was trying to trim the roster i think about he's had talented players he could play on the fourth line i yeah. mean we've seen leah sanderson down there we've seen capo down there from time to time we we've seen him put players with clear talent that he values on the fourth line and he's not the times he's done it he's not tried to get Kako more minutes down there he didn't try to get leas any minutes down there even when he his godson brett howden when he put him on the fourth line he didn't try to get howden more minutes so well, I, I think it's i agree with you on that like, yeah, I, I think it's I, do. I, I don't think it's the Rangers not giving him a fourth line. I think Quinn's just his philosophy is he's not going to use his fourth line, especially in the second half of a ball of a game. Ball it's game. Not okay. gonna happen. This is fair. <laughs> uh, but the Shana, the this conversation started because um, you and I are big Michael McCurdy guys. We love hockey viz. And I went down a hockey viz rabbit hole and Jason Spezza was one of the names that made the most sense. It makes even more sense when you consider he's playing on a league minimum deal this year, but that's because he wanted to go to Toronto. Uh, unfortunately, it probably means he wants to stay in Toronto. I think he would sign for about a million dollars, which puts him right in the Rangers wheelhouse. I just don't think he's leaving. Uh, I, a lot of people around the Maple Leafs don't think he's leaving. Our friend Arvin doesn't think he's leaving. But it, he's kind of the prototypical guy I think the Rangers should chase, where Spezza is not giving anything up offensively. He's not giving anything up defensively at five on five. He's not going to command a multi-year deal because I don't think the Rangers should be worrying about locking some center down for the third line, bottom six role for multiple years. And he's not going to eat up a lot of the Rangers cap space, which we know, even if Ryan Strom isn't re-signed, you have business with Tony D'Angelo you have to do. You have to address your left-handed side of the defense in some way, shape, or form. And if you want to be a playoff contender, which I think we need to start talking about the New York Rangers to be, then you need low-cost players that are also helping your team win. And Jason Spezza does that. Then I found 
two other players that I like that I think Shayna likes as well, but I think Shayna has a different list. The two others... Yeah, slightly, slightly. Yeah, I, I'll, instead of going both at first, I'll go the one I want the most at the top of my wish list, and then the one I think is the most intriguing, but I, there are reasons I think the Rangers won't sign him. The second guy on my list, really the first guy on my list, is Trevor Lewis, center with the Los Angeles Kings, 33 years old, has a $2 million cap hit right now. He is, what I like about him, I know Shana mentioned Spez on the power play. What I think the Rangers really need is a center that can kill penalties. And we we know that they didn't really give Heedle a whole lot of chances there. They did. They barely gave Miko a whole lot of chances there. But we've seen a lot of Brett Howden there. We've seen a lot of Strom there. Trevor Lewis actually has experience and success on the penalty kill. It's not a ton, but it's more than anything the Rangers have currently on their roster. And I think you put him on the penalty kill, it lessens the load of other players. And it also, I think the reason why I focused mostly on veterans, not just because of the one-year deal they'd likely command and the lower salaries, I really do think it's important that the Rangers have someone with experience on their third line. As great as it was to see Heedle with the Kakos and the Howdens and the Goches of the world, I think it's important to have someone on that line with literal children who has been there before. <laughs> who has someone, children and can handle the children. Right. Well, not just that, <laughs> but someone, someone who has been there before, someone who's had experience, both in the good and the bad, and someone who can help these guys defensively. Because the Rangers are asking a teenager in Kako to do so much, even next year when we all think he's going to have a lot more rest under his belt, he's going to have experience under his belt, but he's still going to be a 19-year-old being asked to play a man's game. And I think sometimes you need someone like a Jesper Foss that could play with Kabokako, except down the middle. And I think Trevor Lewis is that guy. Lewis is not going to score 20 goals. He's probably not going to get you 30 points. But he's a defensively responsible center who doesn't take away from your team's five-on-five offense, who can walk the Kakos, the Gauthiers, through what an NHL season's like on a third line. And I think that's very important. Um, I like, I do like this, that you're like, we need a dad. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into this. I know right? what that's this like. I'm, I'm really all about the, I need a dad lifestyle and it never happened. And look what happened to me. I host a Ranger podcast. So we could really use that kind of help on the Rangers. <laughs> we need a dad to join the podcast now. <laughs> we need to get, we need for the Rangers, for the Rangers media. Everyone just needs a, a good dad, like a Patrick Marlowe, you know? So maybe Trevor Lewis could be that. Um, here, my only issue with a player like this is I would say he's on the obviously on the downswing of his career. He's going to be 34 maybe this season, or he just turned 33. I don't know which. But, um, you know, I, I kind of lean towards him being more of the 4C variety, and I wonder if it's for the best if he's closer to the 4C variety, um, which, again, they do need if they were to play a fourth line. And I do wonder if a player like him would maybe give Quinn the inkling to play him because it seems like he's the player that that type of player that he does gravitate to in so many ways. Um, but yeah, he's good defensively and the Rangers are not good defensively as we know. And so many people will point to their forwards failing them defensively and the forwards in numerous occasions do need to be better defensively. So it is on them too, but they're not the bulk of the problem. Like, sorry to burst everyone's bubble. It's, it, the defenseman's job to play defense apparently um but having a forward that is stable 
you know, that's, I feel like the key word for what we're looking for is stability. So you have a player who is good defensively, who is not a black hole offensively either. I think he had positive impacts the last two years offensively. So that's something right there. Um, it's not a I bad know this, this year he was around a plus six offensively at five on five. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, like it, it's he he's not someone who's going to reinvent the wheel. He is what he is. But um, I lean towards that as a fourth liner. And I my caution would be salary. I think I think we're going to see a lot of teams tightening their belts with depth players. Um, I, I feel like we kind of have in recent years after some very bad signings for depth players for a lot of money. Um, and it's important to do that when you're up against the cap that is a lot lower than ever anticipated. So if they can keep this to a team friendly deal, you know, I, I get players wanting to make their money, but a team friendly deal that it would make sense for the role, it would be interesting, but I still think that's a little bit more foresee for me. Ryan, sorry. Do you have thoughts? I have almost no thoughts on anything currently, as I am uh, literally dazed and confused as a person. But I, I do, I do agree originally with your dad comments on bringing dads. And I, I mentioned earlier this week, um, Mr. Joe Thornton about someone who could come over and play center for us. Do you think that's a possibility, Shana? Um, it may be a pipe dream because I feel like at this point he might be like. I'm committed to San Jose, despite all of the bad, like he didn't want to leave at the deadline that if he comes back for one more year, he could do a, I want to win, but I don't think the Rangers would be his, I want to win team. Have, haven't, because, hasn't he always been linked to New York in some way, or is that just every player who ever exists? He, he was linked yes, two years yes. ago. Yeah. I know that and for so sure. Marlo. Like they both yeah. were. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, look, if he's available, in theory, he's a player that you can sign with performance bonuses, which is very important because we know that they have the higher cap pit of Shattenkirk's buyout next year. So if you sign it for performance bonuses and, in theory, go over the cap, it'll affect you the following year, which maybe puts them in a better position. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it does, but, like, you don't have that Shattenkirk buyout weighing your cap down as high as it's going to be next year. And I think that might be important there, that you have that ability to structure the contract that way, and that's something that, like, you don't have with the 34 year old you have with anyone over 35. Um, I mean, look, if you want, if you want someone from like for Philip Heedle to learn from and you give him Joe Thornton, I think that's absolutely positively fantastic. He, he's someone that any young team would be lucky to learn from and he's still a good player. But again, the one thing that would detract me from it is his playing style in that he is a passer which I think he's a fantastic passer and you want him to play to his strengths, but then you do need to make sure that you have someone that's willing to shoot. And maybe you do give him Kako and say, okay, Kako, your job is to shoot the puck and only shoot the puck. We're going to give you someone that is going to give you fantastic passes, shoot the puck and only the puck. And maybe that'll be really good for his development and it could work out, but they do need shooters. So it's like, that's my one thing that I go, are you fixing enough of a problem? Do you have a good shooter to put on his line now? on the third line. And if they can make that third line, like a shooting line that actually creates offense, I think that's great. So there's pluses and minuses to it, but I just question whether it would happen at this point. I think that's a, go on Greg. Well, I know with Thornton, there was something weird at the deadline this year where he told the sharks that he'd go to some teams in a trade, but not all teams. Right. And obviously I think the, the avalanche were still interested and it turned out that Thornton would have went there too, but the Sharks didn't go back to him 
to ask if he wanted to go to the Avalanche. So that's why the trade didn't happen. I, I could have that wrong. But I know something weird happened where Thornton said he would accept certain trades. And the Sharks yeah. honored that request. And then something happened where at the buzzer something changed. And he stayed with the Sharks. And I So if there's ever a chance that Thornton leaves the Sharks, I think it's now because of that one thing. But you also think about the fact that we're, most of these veterans actually do have families, right? And Joe Thornton, more so than any, in this these uncertain times, I think it's a bigger ask to think of someone like Thornton uprooting his family to go from point A to point B. I, I, I just have a hard time thinking. I was going to say I thought salary was going to be something, but I didn't realize that Thornton was only playing on a $2 million deal this year. I thought he was still on the $5 million deal. Yeah, yeah, um, he has that, and you can do it for literally anything. And I think that's that flexibility is so key. It could be x amount of points, x amount of games played. It can be assists or minutes played. It can be the playoffs, making it this far. Like there's so many ways to do it that they could seriously sweeten that deal, you know, with the smallest of base and ensure that he makes certain marks and still go over the cap by a certain percentage. That like it buys them all this flexibility that they wouldn't have. And I think when you talk about an over 35-year-old player, you're sitting there going, like, why are we having this conversation at all? But it's Joe Thornton, and he's still super skilled. So you're like, okay. That's yeah, like It's like I, adding a second coach or a, th- a third because Lindy Ruff is there, obviously. So um, so it's like I, adding I mean, a third I'd, coach in that, in that kind of situation. I'd love, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Thornton. But I, I just have a hard time believing that he'd want to come to New York at this point in his career. The the second guy on my list is another player that spent a lot of time with one team. I was reading today, uh, our good, amazing coworker, Michael Russo, has written a couple times this year about how the prevailing thought is he might retire at the end of the year. It's Miko Koivu. And the things I like about Koivu is, one, it's clear that if he's going to play hockey next year, it will not be in Minnesota. So his availability is out there. Two. He's not the Miko Koivu of old, but he's still very effective, still responsible on defensively 5v5 and still adding to the wild offense uh, at, at even strength. And he's got the finish connection that I think would literally serve as a father figure to Kako if he came to New York. The problem is his game's clearly slipping. We don't know if he wants to play hockey next year. And it's... The question about money with Koivu is tough. Because the Evolving Wild has him around a little over $2 million as a free agent. And I think anything more than two and a half is not worth talking about when you're the New York Rangers because they're just not going to have the space. So it's I, – I would love Koivu if he came here. I just – I have a hard time convincing myself that it's actually going to happen. I just I like that we went from MomCast to now this is officially where can we find the DadCast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. I, I don't uh, – I, I haven't followed Koi with, uh, that, that extensively throughout his career. Um, the Kako connection does make a lot of sense. But I think you should bring in anybody uh, if it is Koi, even if the game is slipping, who can uh, tutor Philip Heedle or can actually provide uh, – Nice passing lanes for Kapokako, who's obviously had a hard time scoring in last year and struggled mightily in almost every single area. Anyone who could tutor those two players um, 
would probably be better. I mean, I, I know usually it's a young man's game, but I think I'm leaning towards find a dad cast in this situation where <laughs> where we, we go ahead and find a mature player who's got children of their own and who can help sort of be the on-ice coach for these younger players. Uh, I, it sounds like sort of old-schooly, and I always laugh when teams do this, but for right now, it feels like the right play if you can't keep Ryan Strome. Interesting. I like this. Um, I like Miko Koivu. I've liked him his entire career. If the Rangers could get him on a team-friendly deal and make it work, I think it could be interesting. I think you have another player now. We're talking performance bonuses. He's 37 years old. Um, His game most definitely has declined, uh, but he's still effective. I mean, he's there's still better defensively with him on the ice. And like we were talking, that's completely and totally key. And if you're expecting him to play in a bottom six role, I think he still has the offense in him for it. I question if it could happen. Cause again, you're talking a player late in their career. If he is going to sign a one or two, you know, for one or two more years somewhere or play for two more years, I should say, is this the team in the right direction for him? And, you know, the Rangers were the team to surprise everyone. They were exciting. It, it, there's a lot of contrast to the wild, a team that's like always in the middle and always very even keel before Paul Fenton came in and, you know, blew everything up, but uh, it's this upcoming team. So like there, there is something alluring in that sense. You know, I don't know if it's enough to bring in a player for the last year of the career type thing, but it definitely would interest me like to see if it could work because if you can have someone that you can depend on, you're in a good position. My only worry with Koivu, because I, you know, I'm trying to look at like the negative side of each thing. Um, would would his role be elevated on like in in situations where it wasn't warranted? And that would be my only thing. I don't think I would be at the point to say yes. You know, if he was on the third line, that they'd be like, oh yeah, let's put him on the second line and push Heedle down because he had one bad game. Like, I just don't know if they would look at it and be like, yes, he's the player to play on that second line alongside Artemi Panarin. But then again, you know, crazier things have happened. I don't think he's at that level anymore where that would be as much of a thought, but it's, it's something that does cross my mind, but I do find him as like a very interesting player and he's always been so good defensively and, you know, they could use two way centers. We've been saying that for so long. And I think Heedle can develop into one. Zibanejad has become one. If you could round out your third line with one, that would be very nice. But like, it's not, if you had, if they had a good fourth line center, a very good defensive fourth line center, I would be saying, go all offense, go for that, you know, that shooter, that passer, that's something that is just all offense because they have that shutdown line and they have that like traditional lineup that so many go for. But since like the fourth line isn't used, maybe a two-way player player is like the best situation there. I'll just add one name that we haven't talked about, but I know we'll hear about because he has former Ranger connections and obviously was a fan favorite. Derek Broussard, in my mind, is just cooked. It's been three straight years of a declining performance to a point now where he's so far below a replacement-level player that a team actually threatening for a playoff spot would be better off simply going with one less center than playing Derek Broussard. I get that it's it's fun to daydream a scenario where – Broussard basically gets to come home. It's, but you have to think of the Rangers as a team clearly now where we're trying to find a guy that can fit this team on a salary cap structure, but also really a guy that can help this team make a push to the playoffs. It's so important for the Rangers to have 
three centers they can rely on. And they have two, but they need to find a third, and they're not going to have a lot of money to do it. And if it's not Ryan Strom simply because of money reasons, well, then you got to find a guy that can do it on a contract that's cheaper than Ryan Strom. And that's why we're talking about these veteran names on guys who might only be signing one-year deals because it's not that these guys are washed. It's just that they're at a point in their career where they do a couple of things specifically and they do them well, but they're also not looking for multi-year deals. And that's just the business the Rangers need to be in for at least one more year. I just, when it comes to Broussard, it's, it's not that I don't want him because I don't like him. I just don't think he's good anymore. I think it's that simple. I would take him uh, as a fourth line center. I, I know that sounds I wouldn't even crazy. take, I wouldn't, I honestly, Ryan, I wouldn't take him as that. I'd rather see if Justin Richards could be a fourth line center immediately out of college. I'd rather just roll the <laughs> dice with tweeners from the AHL that he could move up and down all the time until one sticks. I don't think you should be investing any kind of roster commitments in someone like Derek Broussard at this point for it's a team fair. like the New York Rangers. I, Okay, Broussard is a very weird case. Um, I took it upon myself at the beginning of, do we even still this season? Sure. The season? The the I think, season. Yeah, like, I, I sadly think this season. Yeah, yeah, this season, they're going to finish this season because I think we're reaching a point where um, states and leaders are tired and don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. So I, I think the season's going to, if you asked me this question two weeks ago, I would have said no. It, it's impossible. But now I think the the country as a whole has gotten so dumb. carefree and dumb, dumb. dumb's a word for it. Dumb. But I just impatient that I think shit's going to open up and the season's going to finish. I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. But so before the 2019-20 season, I decided to write about Derek Broussard because I was very curious about what happened to his game. And um, you could see the decline. Obviously, you look at his game, his numbers, any element of it, and you could see just how much, you know, he dropped. Uh, I went back to see how much of it uh, in 2017, I think it was, when he was on Ottawa, and uh, they lost in the conference final to the Penguins. Um, he fucked up his shoulder, and it got to the point where he couldn't take faceoffs and things like that, and he had shoulder surgery, and the next season after that, it was really downhill from there, so... I wanted to see why he didn't fit in Pittsburgh because everything about his game told you he should fit in Pittsburgh with this team, with the players, with the everything, despite getting lesser minutes. And then Colorado and Florida and all of this. And um, uh, my conclusion was literally like, it, it just was like, he was not playing his game. It didn't work. And, you know, some of it, he said he had injuries and he was so excited for the Islanders and the opportunity that provided because he was going into the year healthy. So I was optimistic about it because, I didn't know how well it would work given the players who'd likely play with on the third line. And I think he's someone who is good with, you know, very good two-way players, like how he was with Zuccarello that I was like, okay, Josh Bailey could work for him, but I don't think they'll play together. Um, he had his moments at the beginning of the year when he was playing on the wing, but that right there takes him out of the conversation. If we're saying, well, he's better on the wing than he is at center, which can happen for players. We've seen it before where, you know, they're better at one position than the other. And sometimes switching to wing can help you refine your game at center things like that. And I don't think it happened enough. Um, I don't see the Islanders as like a complimentary match to his game in general. So I think that puts his value even lower because you don't know now, is it the systems that we are going, it doesn't work clearly, or is it just his game declining? And we know to this point, his game has declined so much. So it's like so many different things there that I don't think, I think if this was the 2019, 20 season, I would have said yes, 
on the contract that he signed with the Islanders, do it. Why the hell not? But when you said playoffs are in mind and they are in mind, you look at how far they've come this year and how they, you know, defied the odds. Playoffs are the expectation, it seems, next year, at least reaching. No, it's not. It's not the right call. But I would say a player, if we're not looking at veterans and we're sticking to, well, we're not looking to like the over 35 veterans. We're looking to, you know, that someone, someone that would take a one or two year deal. Right. Um, I'm going to bring up Nick Shore. I feel like he is someone that is pretty solid. Uh, Are you sure? No. Sorry. No, I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I, I, he's good defensively. I, I think this past year, if I remember correctly, his offense was offensive impact was not nearly where it should be. Um, but his last full season was uh, 17, 18. And, you know, he was solid offensively and the team was better defensively. And I think he's really someone that you come in with that super, super low cost deal and it could like make it work. So I, I would be intrigued to see if they could make something worth maybe like a $1.2 million deal or, you know, something like that for that third line center role. And if it doesn't work out, you know, there isn't as much risk, but I don't think you're looking at a player and going, holy shit, look at the decline over the last few years. I'm scared to sign you like you would with Broussard. You're like, this is a low risk depth player with some solid underlying numbers who you could throw him in the mix and see like how it works. I think Broussard is just, uh, oh, go on, Greg. I was just going to, I know Shore had a, I think he had a fairly rough season. I was looking, I was trying, if we wanted to go a little younger, but I think a guy that maybe NHL teams value more than they should. Uh, I just pulled up Melker Carlson's page. I did not realize how bad he was offensively because it is stark. Yeah. It was not a good year. No, he, uh, (laughs) according, according to Micah's, uh, Hashtag charts. Uh, the Sharks were 23% less likely to score with Carlson on the ice than literally anybody else. It's not great. It's not great. No. Nope. Um, so just to refresh me, uh, are we each saying, or rather each, are each of you saying three different centers or have we, have we reached the maximum? I've kind of lost to where we are at this point. Uh, I mean, those were my three. Lewis, Koivu, and Spezza were the three that jumped out at me as someone the Rangers could sign probably could sign for less than two and a half million dollars and probably wouldn't have to worry about giving a multi-year contract to. Uh, but again, I'd be stunned if Spezza left Toronto. So it, it's hard to get too excited there. I think it's more likely Koivu retires than he comes to the Rangers, which basically leaves me with Lewis. And I'm not 100% convinced that some team wouldn't go to Lewis and be like, here's a, Here's a four-year contract, but we need you to take less money. Basically do the John Moore with him. Right. That would worry me. And Shana, who were your three? Um, I would say I like Jason Spezza. Um, I can see why Koivu and Lewis would work, but I, I'm leaning Nick Shore. I'm going to say that this past year wasn't great for him um, offensively, but if I remember correctly, and I should have done a little bit more homework before this, he played a shit ton of defensive zone starts, like uh, especially in Toronto with Babcock. And I think um, that obviously like influences like his offensive impact, but I think that he's someone who can drive play and um, he's a penalty killer, which right there, that's key. Um, 
And had you asked me again before this past season, I would have been like, yes, he's a player the Rangers should be looking at. More teams should be looking at. And if I remember, I looked at the signing when Toronto did it, and I was like, yes, see, that's that's like a cost-effective bottom six center deal with some upside, and it didn't work out maybe exactly as I thought it would, but I guess his usage was a little bit worse than I thought it would be too, that I feel like he's someone that you could throw out there to absorb defensive zone starts if necessary, but I am curious to see if he could drive play a little bit better than some of the third line center options out there. And I think he's someone that you could really find on a cost-effective deal. Shana, thank you so much for joining us on a lovely day. That is the continuous day of the last two months. Um, <laughs> any, any thing you want to touch on before we let you get out of here? Like what? I don't know. Anything you want to talk about general pump, pump your podcast. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Oh yeah. Um, talk about the, know, the, the amount of money you raised for charity. Oh yeah. Stuff. Yeah. This is, this is good. Thank you. Thank you. I got you. This is Steve. This is why you're a great host. It's not, um, not today. I would say all the days. Oh, thank but, you. Um, They're all the same. Um, okay. So let's see. I'm not really writing things right now. Yep. I'd like to be writing more, but I'm not. And I hope to be soon. Um, I do have one story that's like going to be up eventually um, for the athletic on broadcasts on how some broadcasters are integrating more like analytical terms into their commentary it uh it's been dumb for a while it just hasn't been timely so when it is timely again it will go and um the podcast too many men you can find us at two underscore much underscore man on twitter mm-hmm. we're fun it's uh me sarah Sivian, and allison lucan and we we talk about hockey and a lot of other things and play fuck mary kill but uh we did this thing called clause for a cause it was a virtual flip cup tournament to raise money for COVID-19 relief. And we raised $5,500 that we, I I was hyped and we split it between America's food fund and direct relief. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Look at it. Look at you doing great things. I'm happy. I'm happy. Not that I inspired you. I'm just happy. I'm I'm just happy. happy My brethren over at the locker room were able to take home the W. It, they they really shocked everyone. You know, you could see brackets breaking everywhere, and um, it was really cool. And people like submit their brackets for money, and the winner got um, a T-shirt for winning a Too Many Men T-shirt. Oh, you awesome. know, got to get that brand out there. Hey, but it, it was it was cool. Love to see everyone get together, have some drinks, flip some cups. You know, yeah, good times. Yeah, you know, I I mean drinking that sounds nice. Eventually, I'll do that again. I mean, I don't think I can right now. But eventually. Probably not. Oh, yeah. Probably not. I'm going to go ahead and say I can't, unfortunately. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Shane. I'm sure we'll talk soon. I hope everything's yeah, going for well with me. you and your family. And uh, Gregory, as always, you're a pleasure to be associated with. So I will. I mean, I, I really, I really am. I outdo myself on a daily basis. Honestly, I'm, uh, you've shocked me and you've been, you've been, you know, you're bettering yourself. You're doing, you're doing all the right things. It's kind of crazy. Am I? Sometimes I, I think I, like. How is Greg the good guy? Am I the bad guy? <laughs> I, I'm I'm having I'm having drinks tomorrow night with some of our Patreon subscribers, so oh, that should nice. go swimmingly. I cannot do that. All right, um, you sure can't. Yeah. What about water? Water with a lime and a fancy cup, so you yeah. feel like you're drinking. I uh, I maybe I don't know. I don't even know where I am. But anyway, I will. <laughs> sometimes I hallucinate a little bit. That's okay. I'll get there. You know, they said the recovery is only six to eight weeks. Anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll <laughs> join us next time on Blue Shirt Breakaway, where we come back next Tuesday with an unknown guest. Bye.
I actually know who the guest oh. is. Do you oh. want to know who the guest is? Yeah, what's it? It's it's our friends from the locker room, Johnny Lazarus, and I, forgetting the name of the other co-host, which is Justin Kaplan. That's it. It's members members of the tribe. Two amazing drinker, amazing flipper. Justin was elite at flipping cups, and you know, true talent right there. Too many men, bracket winners, the locker room. See you then. Bye bye.